When I was in the fifth grade, I was in a talent show. I had practiced a skit with friends. It was the classic pie in the face skit. I knew what I was supposed to do. Some banter, a snarky comeback, and whap, the victim was never supposed to see it coming. But when the curtain opened, I became so nervous I could only giggle through my lines. I remember being a little disappointed in myself and maybe a little mortified. I wanted to perform. I wanted people to see me. I think there's something to wanting to be seen, but not all of us know how to be seen on that big level. I think there's an art to it. My guest today is an amazing teacher of how to be seen. Well, this is Play Fully, and I'm Emily Cordy Stroff. Today, I'm talking to Jessica Hintoff. It's impossible to encapsulate her in this list, but here is a bit of what I know about her. She is a circus artist, performer, dog and bird trainer, creator of Circus Harmony of St. Louis and the rest of the world, social justice champion, winner of the US Play Coalition. I sadly did not even know this existed. And I would say she is also the curator of all things that make you go, wow. And I have noticed that she not only works tirelessly to bring people together around her passion for circus, but she does so in a playful way that makes people want to join in and applaud not only their own accomplishments, but those of others. Jessica, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for that. Wow. <laughs> wonderful introduction. That was really well, wonderful. Oh, good one. All you. Um, would you say that you are good at playing? I am good at playing, but I rarely take the conscious effort to do so because I'm always working. But luckily, because my work is circus, I'm playing all the time. Really. Yeah. Yeah, you're one of the lucky ones who gets to play while you work and still considers it play. Absolutely, because circus is about joy and play is about joy and wonder for that matter. Ah, I love that. Yeah. Um, I just like to know, is there anyone in your past that you learned to play from or who you think of when you think of playing as a child? This is going to sound strange. The first thing that comes to my mind is a book that I was given in nursery school from my nursery school, which the name of the school was Work and Play. And they gave us all, all the little three-year-olds, they gave us Ruth Krause's book, A Hole is to Dig, but with illustrations by Marie Sendak. I still have the book. And I don't know why, but that's what first comes to me because it's like all the things that, kids do a hole is to dig it's just fun stuff and that only just occurred to me when you asked me that and also I I've always had animals and 
animals are always playing. Mm-hmm. They're eating or they're playing or they're sleeping. But even mine work in quotes because I do do trick training with my dogs, with my bird, but it's still play to them. Mm. Yeah. But it's like when you when we teach, when we circus harmony teach circus science in a school, we teach science concepts through circus arts. Everything is always more fun if you're learning it through play. There's a study that proves that. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I can't quote the study, but you're all always better off playing whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And playing with your food. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of research that I've been um you know, reading about that has a lot to do with like people learn best whenever they're in a joyful state. And that's uh, so, so much the case with circus and circus arts. For sure. I know that because my daughter does circus arts and learned through circus harmony and, and just, just adores it and loves it. And um, it's just a, a great thing. You know, uh, our listeners can't see, but you do have uh, your bird, Tico, and your dog, Maple. And what other animals do you have in your... That's all I have for now. It's unusual that I only have one dog and one bird, but that's... I've been downsizing. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So, but Tico is a 32-year-old military macaw. Uh, Maple is a four-year-old scruff muffin of a terrier rescue dog but there was a time when I had four dogs three birds a monkey and three children all under the age of six so that's what I mean by downsizing oh lord and I and I was still teaching yeah and running a nonprofit, which that's that's the work part and the reward is the actual working with the kids and doing the circus Well, you know, the other thing that I've noticed is that you're also a show woman. You seem to know like what is important to others or what will wow others. And I do say, wow, I think you're a wower. <laughs> you should make that a verb. Is that something you've always been good at or have you had to work at it? Do you find um, times where you've, you know, been more clumsy at it or... Um, So I've never been shy. I mean, you've seen a lot of children come through our program and some of them are shy, even painfully so. And yet there's something about the circus ring that it's like alchemy. It's like they turn to gold and very shy children become these phenomenal performers. And it's like crossing that threshold gives them permission to to show that side of themselves. But I've always not been shy, I've been able And this, I think, is hereditary from my grandfather on my mother's side, from my own father, to talk to anybody, Um, because it's interesting to me who people are and why they do what they do. And I like making all the connections. And from working with kids all the time, so much of it, so much of working with each individual child is how they process things. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I took the education system in this country so many years to realize that children process things differently. Mm -hmm. And finally, instead of punishing the kids who can't sit still, they actually, here's a chair that's a ball so you can bounce around. Here are some manipulatives so you can focus better. Yes. 
So it's not been hard for me. And I've, I've always loved, who doesn't love things that make you go, wow, and that are amazing? I don't know anyone. Right. And I, I grew up like my idol was Peter Pan. And here I am. I get to be Peter Pan and sprinkle the magic circus dust on kids and and they get to fly. But I think what's sad, I was going to say when kids lose their sense of wonder, but I've seen kids who act like little old people. And I think especially right now, there's such a high level of anxiety and depression, even in very young kids that they need this more than ever, this sense of joy and wonder and playfulness. And you think of the kids who during the lockdown had nobody to play with. If you didn't have siblings or if you weren't in some kind of bubble and if your parents weren't playful parents, Mm -hmm. how, how developmentally disabling that could be. I think about that a lot, especially in our, you know, in some, some environments, um, you know, often urban environments or um, things where their parent doesn't feel safe having them go outside and exploring or, or, you know, there might be kind of just on top of each other inside the home. So, and have to be quiet or, or whatever. Any place where you don't move and you have to be quiet, that's, that's just not how humans are and kids especially and and the grown-ups that you probably like the most are the ones who can look at the smallest thing and go wow look at that leaf that's amazing i think that's it's a trait that people i think you're born with it as a child and in some cases it's educated out of you or socialized out of you and i think that's a shame Mm. and not everybody obviously but that's also what I like about circus. Circus is all about wow and wonder and being um, superhuman. Mm-hmm. You're literally defying gravity by flying through the air and controlling objects and talking with animals. Mm-hmm. Do you still fly through the air? Not like I used to. No, mostly I'm just working with, I'm having the kids fly through the air. Um yeah. yeah, when we set up our flying trapeze, it was some time ago. I did it once and I kept intending to have time to go back and fly again, but yeah. I don't. Not yet. I should, right. And perhaps I will again, because yeah. when we get a building and we have the flying trapeze set up all the time. That's right. It's Giving yeah. Tuesday, everybody. Giving Tuesday. Ah, it is Giving Tuesday. Um. I read on your Facebook page where I also saw that you were on the Jimmy Fallon show. Maple was on the Jimmy Fallon show. I was the facilitator. Yes. yes. Yeah. With a human on the show. <laughs> but I, I saw how you came to um, circus as a freshman in college. Mm-hmm. I started really late. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I was, I was wondering about that and, and, and you still like really, thrive at it for 50 years I have been involved in circus for 50 years I I did the math because I was like really and I did the math I'm like yeah really well this would have been fall of your you know the fall season of your first year there was a circus class and I thought oh that'll be fun 
Well, it's 50 years later and it's still fun. Yeah. And also the first summer of my freshman year in college, I rode to like 50 different circuses. And the only one that wrote back to me was the Circus Kingdom run by a Methodist reverend who loved circus and loved circus music and brought kids together from all over the country. And we toured and wherever we went, we did a show for people who would pay, but also people who couldn't come to us, like a senior citizen home, a home for the mentally ill, prisons. But when I got back from that first season, I went to my circus teacher, Warren Bacon, and I said, this is it. This is what I want to do with my life. How can I repay you? And he said, I'll tell you what my teacher told me, pass it on. So right away, I taught everybody in my dorm room to juggle. I went back to my high school. I taught circus classes. And I went on to become a professional performer, but I've also always taught circus. And what's really thrilling to me is now a number of my students teach circus. So they have continued to pass it on. And in fact, as you know, my daughter, Eliana, is general manager and lead coach at Circus Harmony, very seriously passing it on. In terms of accessibility, I am really proud, happy that Circus Harmony has been able to accommodate so many people with different processing and physical needs. Circus is, first of all, the best place for a kid with ADD, ADHD, whatever label. And in fact, what I say all the time is, it doesn't matter what your label is. It really doesn't. It's what can, can you do? And the circus is a place where you get to label yourself. But a kid who can't focus necessarily sitting still in a chair in school does much better focusing standing on a ball, juggling with audience lights and music. That's That's been scientifically proven. So we're really good for that. Also, we've been really successful with young people on the autism spectrum. And in, there are every, and everybody on that spectrum is very different and processes differently, but they find success with us and they find their, their hyper-focus very often works in their favor. Um, and because we had one young man who's on the spectrum who was with us for many years and then actually went to circus college and he came back and he said, I found, I found the secret. I found the secret to, to, to doing circuit for me to do circus because before little things would upset him a lot, a baby crying and he couldn't concentrate somebody eating lettuce for some reason, he couldn't work around someone eating lettuce. Um, and I'm like, what's the secret? What's the secret? He said, I want to do this more than I don't like the other things. That's a secret for everybody. Priorities is the secret for everybody. So that worked really well. And also in terms of accessibility, we've had, uh, we had one girl who had no fingers. She had like a thumb and a pinky and she became one of our best aerialists. Um, we've had a couple of kids who uh, have no legs or partial legs and have done incredible acts and not just hand balancing, which of course they have upper body strength, but just about every act that we do. Um, in fact, our upcoming show Nocturne will feature a young performer who is differently limbed, shall we say. So I think circus What's so amazing to me about circus is that there literally is a place for everybody. We need the big kids for the bottom of the pyramids, the little kids for the top. 
Um, if you can't juggle, maybe you're good at tumbling or you have good balance, or this is the place to be the class clown. To me, circus is one of the most inclusive art forms there is. Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of speaks to how uh, you, you know, are really um, good at sort of um, ensuring that play is the platform and that people can hone whatever joy or, or skill that they can um, feel good at. And yeah. yes, absolutely. Really interesting thing though is let's say you're juggling and you're not good at it. You don't like it. <laughs> you don't like it until you're good at it and then you can do more things and then you like it. So it's also working to help people get past that point in the learning curve to where they can do more things. But I think part of it is also in a circus environment, seeing other kids having fun. I mean, circus is by its nature fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I see, what I've observed in your classes is that, you know, one person is playing on, I'm going to call it play, even though it is kind of, you know, sometimes performing, but playing on or practicing a certain um tool or material and then the other one is in encouraging watching but also not having to sit there and do that if they don't feel it they can also go and um, explore in their own way um, while while others are are doing pr their practice and stuff. I have a real strong thing against people sitting and waiting or being online so while this class is structured and there is a coach, because circus, especially for things like aerial, is very one-on-one -on -one and hands-on, but the kids sitting there who are not doing that particular activity can watch and learn a lot from watching, or they can do another thing like feather balancing. Um, what I like is also the kids who have a particular prop or apparatus and they experiment with it. Um, I don't know if you remember Kellen, who's another biological of mine, who's a juggler, who's technically an amazing juggler, but his sense of play since he was a baby is extraordinary. Like he was really someone who played with his food, was always making things out of his food. If you were at a pool, he was making sculptures out of the chairs. Uh, if you were in the park, he was making things out of the sticks, but he takes props and thinks of amazing things to do with them. Yeah, OTs love that stuff, playing with food, etc. <laughs> I am an OT and the thing I love to do is play with food or teach parents how to be okay with food that's played with. Let's play with it. So I love that you keep hitting on that. But I it bring it brings me to another question about when you started in college. I'm just wondering you say that you are not a fan of, you know, kind of waiting and sitting and, but you got through the American education system and you're going to go to college. <laughs> I'm thinking, what were you going to do in college? So I actually went to college with the thought that I would become a social worker. And so I have, except that it's a circus. It's a social circus worker as opposed to a social worker. And I went to a college, State University of New York at Purchase, that encouraged individualized learning. So when I fell in love with circus, I was able to 
go study circus. Um, in fact, my senior thesis, because I was a sociology major, was titled With It and For It, Circus People as a Deviant Subculture, because they hit all the marks as being a subculture. They have their own language, their own strata system, and there's their own culture. And I was able to do a lot of independent study on circus during college. So I didn't sit still a lot, but yeah, I did. I did graduate from college. Yay. <laughs> Yay. We are. And I'm still, and I still ended up running away and joining the circus. So there's that. And now there are circus colleges. When I was with that age, there were not. Hmm. So you can actually go to college to join the circus. So have you ever had a period where you played too hard? Or I played too hard. Um, <laughs> it's a stumper. So in, there's the thing is, is circus worker play. And for me, it's been both. And when you're training to become a professional, it's hard. It's hard if you want to get to a, a high level. But I don't know if that counts as playing too hard there are a lot of people who come and they take aerial classes for fun and clearly I still think it's fun because I still do it but the training I went through especially because I had a Russian coach at one point um, was not always fun and I think it's important for people to not lose their joy in whatever it is they do would you do it any differently that's an interesting question because I I also know that I got to the level I did. And in fact, my, I did a double trapeze act with someone and we did a trick that nobody else has done since, partly because we're so old that we did it before video. So, I mean, I have video of it, but it wasn't plastered all over the internet. And the hard thing of the trick, which is me hanging by the trapeze and my partner would put a ring on my heel and then she would get in the ring and hang by her heels so it was heel to heel and then we would both take off one heel and she in fact put her free leg behind and touched her head so the hard part was figuring out how to get in and out of it and since it's not on the internet people have not yet figured that out so it's really lovely to be able to say I did something at least so far that nobody else has and I can always say I was the first to do it the training was really, really demanding with that particular coach. Um, I don't know if I'd do it again. It's, it's how I got where I am. So it's, it's hard to say where I would be if I hadn't gone that route. Yeah. Wow. Interesting to think about. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think play connects you to others? Well, circus certainly connects me to others. And yeah, because anything where you share joy, which food, we're back to the food thing. Um, people share joy around food all the time and play and art. And circus is, of course, also art. So, yes. And one of the first things I did in circus was juggling and passing clubs. I had a club passing act with two other women, but I can go anywhere. I can still go anywhere. I don't do aerial 
anymore, but I can walk in a room with other jugglers and pass clubs with them. And that instantly connects you. Mm. And also the thing about circus, which is the same about play is it can be nonverbal. Mm. And that's the, the best and deepest way to connect to people. Mm. I love that. And I love the connection that you made earlier about the success you've had with uh, children or people with autism. It's a big key. I think I also about juggling Jessica someday I will take a juggling class <laughs> Thursday nights it's juggling club it's open to everybody all ages all levels um, little kids come grown-ups come families come and what's really interesting oh you've got to look him up and in fact I know at the end you're going to ask me who you should have on your show this is the man huh? the legend no he's a phenomenal human being his name is craig quat q-u-a-t his website is quat props and juggling has been around since ancient times there's egyptian hieroglyphics of people juggling it is an old old skill craig created a different way to teach juggling that is phenomenal and it works with anybody, all populations. Um, he's done it with seniors. He's done it with blind people. He's done it with people on every spectrum you can think of. He's just created a new way to communicate and play with juggling props. And it's really phenomenal. And he's right now traveling the world. And when I heard about this new way to teach juggling, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've been teaching it the same way since I was in college. And it mind-blowingly effective and totally different from any other way wow that's cool yeah I mean you know when I think about juggling and I think about the work that I do as o in OT with just developmental coordination and stuff you know we're always trying to get both sides of the body to do things um, coordinated with one another so that we can do the things like um, you know, write our name by holding onto the paper, you know, use a, um, a, a, do any kind of computer work, do any, anything really, you need both, both hands or both sides of the body, at least to be working together. And that's, um, sometimes surprisingly hard for some people. And, um, so juggling is really. And juggling to do the basic pattern, you have to cross the midline. And that's something that a lot of people get stuck on. They can't figure out that step. And his, the quat method totally dissolves that. It's amazing. I, I told you at one point that I had a student who was a, a child with spina bifida, um, fairly physical and was taking our circus classes and also doing OT. And she was doing aerial and she was doing an act called Spanish web where you put your hand in a loop and you pull a leather keeper down to make sure the loop is tight. And the teacher said, that's a lot like what she was trying to have her do in terms of picking up a block and putting it in a hole, but the payoff of putting the block in the hole, yay, that's nice. But pulling the keeper down and being able to then be spun by one arm in midair, the payoff was so such a wow factor yeah. She said that's the best OT she'd seen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. You guys yeah. need more circus in your OT. 
Yeah, we do. I agree. Really? Yeah, I mean, if you've ever seen an OT room that has a sensory integration um, component, it usually has a swing and some, you know, things that are hanging from, not that you absolutely have to have that for circus, but there is such a great merging that uh, could be. Uh, we as OTs that are not really trained to teach the ta-da, the wow, as much. <laughs> and I live for that ta-da moment when a kid actually gets it and realizes they've just done something amazing. Yeah. That's the greatest moment as a teacher is to see that ta-da yeah. realization in your student. Yeah. It almost seems like it's a printout. You can like see it. Like it's just, there's so much evidence of it. There it is. Your cardiology report or something. It's all over their face. <laughs> there's, a, there's a study that somebody did for how to measure joy. Huh. And it their basis was they used um, pottery as an example, but it was how a child held the object and talked about the object, how close they held it, and the expressions on their face for how to measure joy. But there is great joy in accomplishment all the time. And play is the best way to accomplish things. Yeah, yeah. I could not agree with you more. I love that. Um. Have you, has play ever felt hard to you? Well, when I was training, um, yeah. that part, um, play in other ways. No, I, I talk about not circus not being competitive. I, by nature, am competitive. Me and too. I don't always like that side of me, but once we start playing a game, I'm pretty competitive. Uh, that doesn't you know, answer your question. No, because if play is joyful, it's not hard. Yeah, I know. It's funny. I share that with you. I I don't like myself um, be when I play uh, competitive games sometimes because I am really, really competitive. And, you know, I can become the person who will turn the table or something like this, you know, <laughs> it almost gets that hard. And yeah, I, it's, there is something about competitive play that um, for some people can bring out um, the best. And for me, I, I don't know if it's just that I don't know how to, um, I haven't learned how to lose or something. Or if, if losing means too much, I'm not sure what that is, but I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to say something um, kind of like, uh, did you ever see Between Two Ferns that no. Zach um, Galifianakis? No. Well, he'll just kind of like put a statement out there and have his guests say something. So, okay. So All a verbal war shark test. Is that what's happening? Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause this is all podcasting. So no visual Rorschach. All work and no play, Jessica. My life is all play and no work, except of course the raising money, the nonprofit development part is, is work. But even then I'm talking about play. So yeah, people say that a lot. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I believe is the, the full quote. 
Yeah, it's sad. It, it's sad because the whole, going back to Peter Pan also, the whole thing, I'm never going to grow up. I'm never going to just put on a tie and go to work and be stern all the time. Mm. Yeah. We don't, and we don't have to grow up. We don't have to lose our sense of wonder. Yeah. Even as, even as a grown up, and even if we have a, in quotes, real job. Yes. Yes. In but quote. I also think it's sad people who live just for the weekend, you know, and they work and the, the weekday is drudgery and then they just live for their days off. I think it's much more fun if you can find joy and fun and play and everything. Mm-hmm. I would agree. What do you like to play that you can play without a device? Uh, say, uh, I saw your pictures at Thanksgiving with all of your family and friends, and they were so beautiful. And it looked like you had, you know, good eight or 10. How many people did you have? We had 10 people, and we had a couple of coaches from Circus Harmony. And then my daughter is dating a PhD student at WashU, and there were a number of people, PhD lab students who weren't from America, had never been to Thanksgiving and didn't have anybody in town. So they got to come here for Thanksgiving and that was fun. Yeah, food. There's a one of my favorite circus shows of all time was by a company called Seven Fingers. The show is titled Cuisine and Confessions and three of our alumni, Circus Harmony alumni have been in it one time or another. But it's all about our narratives around food, our stories around food. And at the beginning of the show, they have everybody set their their alarms on their phone. And one of the acts is around banana bread and one of the acts is around um, pasta. And there's an act around omelets and all sorts of food-oriented things. But at the end of the show, they have baked a banana bread and pasta and they serve it to the audience. <laughs> it's so fun. And and the show itself is just amazing because there are these deep childhood memories connected to food. And yeah, gathering, Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday because you don't have to worry about getting or giving presents. It's just about eating and being with people. Mm -hmm. And I've for years done, we call it an orphan Thanksgiving. People call it a Friendsgiving, but a Thanksgiving for people who can't or don't want to go home to their families that there should still be this joyful gathering yeah so that was really fun and in terms of playing without my device hmm people who know me know I'm on my phone way too much but that's also my social life in a sad to a sad extent kind of what it's become I like playing with my animals but even that's work like I do trick training especially with maple the little four-year-old dog and she loves it she asks for it so she will come to me if she needs to go out um she also she has to go i have a fish pond koi fish and she has to go see the fish every morning that's part of her routine and after dinner she has to get a, this particular dental treat that's part of her routine but after that she will also sometimes come over and ask to play which to her is doing tricks is interacting with me um and my son was watching her once and he's like she keeps asking for saying i don't know what she wants i don't know what she wants and i'm like she wants to do tricks yeah that because that again is this sense of accomplishment she loves interacting and accomplishing and that that's what play is 
So I'm going to bring you back to the the hole to dig. Mm-hmm. Is that the book? A hole is to dig. A hole is to dig. So, and so much like a hole is to dig, play is to, can you fill in the blank? Have fun. Yeah. And I think we need to have fun. And and if you look around, it's it's not just people. Animals like to have fun. Mm-hmm. All animals. It really is. It's like food for your soul. Yeah. To have fun. And to, and to me, fun is connected to wonder and joy. Those three. Mm-hmm. Mm. And yeah. being in the circus, I get to, to share that with people and to give other people the ability to share that with people like ripples of in the pond of, of joy and wonder and fun going out. Mm. And then you see a lot of kids when we're doing shows at city museum, cause our, circus is set inside of a museum and we do 700 shows a year and half the circus is seating and half the wall is glass so some people come in and sit some people watch from outside but inevitably after a show kids are out there turning cartwheels you know or they go home i i know this because people tell me and they play circus they play circus with their stuffed animals they play circus with each other yeah well, I think you pretty much summed it up what play is and how to get more joy in your life and to find, go after that fun thing that is awesome. I mean, this is kind of silly, but you know how pickleball, which I have never played and never seen, I have heard it because I was nearby a pickleball court, but I've never seen it. But so many older people are doing it. Yeah. And it's because they haven't had anything. They haven't had a play, a play thing. And now they do and they love it. Yeah. I think they could get the same thing juggling or riding a unicycle, but you know, there's pickleboard courts everywhere and people are playing and and they're gathering and it's people just everywhere. People really seek out play because yeah. we need play and we need joy and which brings me back all the time to circus, which is where I find those things. Thank you, Jessica. Well, thanks for asking me. This was kind of out of the blue and and fun. And yeah, look up the U.S. Play Coalition. So they gave me this award and then I didn't get to go to their conference because the pandemic hit. 2020, yeah. I saw, uh, but they do a lot of things online, and it's fascinating the different ways people are incorporating play in in not just schools, but in national parks. Um, mm. It's just really cool that the people who that's their work is play, mm-hmm. like, like mine, but literally play, not even yeah. playing in in circus. Yeah, there's no track. It's like uh, free and that's at Clemson University, I think. Yeah, that's where they're based. Okay, it's all so delicious. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, thanks for asking me. This was fun. Well, I told you you'd be wowed. It was so inspiring. Kind of makes you want to go find a circus class and find that joy and wonder Jessica was talking about. I want you to get out there now and play. Let's build a world that's a little lighter 
a little less harsh, and a little more connected. Let's build the world we want to have. And don't forget to follow Playfully on Spotify or wherever you're listening right now. Our episodes come out on Wednesday every week, so you can get inspired to play right over the hump through the rest of the week. And I'd love to know what you think, so please leave me a comment. Take care, everybody. Bye.